0: Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could rock your world. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real-world crisis or a hot topic that won't go away. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. We also talk with insiders who have their pulse on these hot topics. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek professionals to help with your specific need. Paul McGuire Grimes is a member of the Critics' Choice Association. As we talk today, we're in the middle of awards season, which is really Paul's Super Bowl, Miss Universe pageant, and World Cup all rolled into one. But Paul's life of entertainment reporting isn't all fun and games. In fact, scandals from celebrities, challenges of getting people into movie theaters, and the rise of streaming are all big plot twists playing out before us. But that doesn't stop the awards shows from forging ahead. And indeed, it seems like they're multiplying. We dish with Paul today in the case file I call Awards Fatigue. Paul, the Golden Globes kicked things off in January, the Oscars in March, and the Emmys in September 2023. There is so much content out there. Some categories contain too many nominees. Are award shows even
1: relevant anymore? I think that they are relevant to an extent. I think that they give a really good idea of what we should be watching in terms of movies or television shows that maybe we don't always hear about. But I think overall, I think it's about history. What will stand the test of time that will be the most relevant to showing what movies or TV shows or whatever have affected us over the years versus what is named Best Picture or Best Drama Series.
0: Now, let's get into the nature of watching, because you both report on television and movies. How have our watching habits changed?
1: I think the pandemic did a big shift in how we view content because there are movies in theaters and movies on streaming services, and there are just so many streaming services out there that we tend to just sit at home nowadays and find whatever we are subscribing to. There are some of us that subscribe to everything under the sun, and there are some people that just have Netflix or Hulu or HBO Max, and they will sit and watch whatever they feel like because if it's free to them versus with a service fee, that might be cheap. Cheaper option than finding a sitter, going to the movie theater, or maybe making a date night. So it's all about like, what do you want to do on any given night? And I think that's really changed since the pandemic and what we are used to doing. I don't think we're used to going to the theater anymore to go see a movie. We're used to sitting at home on our couch and just flipping on a queue.
0: What are you and other insiders like you seeing when it comes to the big production houses and how they've had to lure people back into the theaters. I mean, one of the movies that I think is really amazing in having done that because it said, we are only going to be in the theaters as we start. And that was the Top Gun remake. I mean, that was amazing. And you have to see that on a big screen anyway.
1: Well, that's the thing. Top Gun Maverick is a movie that brought people back into theaters because Tom Cruise and the you know director and the writing, everyone involved said, we're going to hold off. This was supposed to come out years ago. And they said, no, we're going to hold off. We want to make sure that it's in theaters when people feel safe to go to theaters. And then they did that. They released it Memorial Day weekend 2022, and people flocked to the theater. They went because it was a huge movie, and then word of mouth happened. And they felt people wanted to go to a theater to see it, to experience that kind of movie in a theater. And I think that's what is facing theaters right now, is we want to make sure that we're giving people that theater experience that they can't get at home. The special effects, the loud sound, the big picture, you know, that is what people are flocking to. And that's even a gamble, too. Not every DC movie does well. Not every Marvel movie does well. You know, horror movies actually do really well. What isn't right now? Comedies, rom-coms. Those are the type of movies where people are like, do I need to go to the theater to see that? Or can I just wait for it to be streaming? I don't. Maybe I don't need to spend $20 on a ticket. I can wait for it to be at home at some point.
0: Yeah, and is price point an issue?
1: Price points absolutely an issue. If theaters are gonna upcharge for IMAX or upcharge for a 3D or the sound system, that will deter people from going, or they may say, I'm gonna wait for a $5 Tuesday. So another thing that theaters are doing is like, how can I get people in if that's the case? They're gonna offer a cheap bargain day, which is typically Tuesdays, a $5 Tuesday, a $6 Tuesday, or they're gonna to try to lure people in with the full experience, whether it's a bar that they can go to beforehand or a full dinner option with artisan pizzas or you know whatever it may be, to have that kind of full experience versus just buying a ticket, going to the theater and watching the movie.
0: Part of the reason I wanted to talk about this and award shows with you in this case, file is personally, I used to be such a big buff of award shows. I had them on my calendar. I was excited to see the award speeches from the Golden Globes to the Oscars and the segs in between and just all these things. And even I now find myself not necessarily putting it on the calendar. I had to look up what date is the Oscars in preparation for talking with you. Why do you think that is? celebrity stars they're also trying to make grandstanding kind of one of their things on the oscar stage or when they give a speech regardless of the stage so what's your analysis on that
1: i think people's priorities have shifted i think we find our free time so limited so what are we going to do with that maybe we're going to read a book maybe we're going to go outside maybe we're going to hang out with friends We find ourselves more precious with our time. And with that may come, how do I want to spend it? Maybe it's this book I want to read, or maybe it's this puzzle I want to do, or maybe it is a TV show that I want to binge. And the priorities have just shifted. So it's like, okay, there's award season. Okay, I haven't seen half the movies. I'm not going to tune in. It seems like there are so many award shows, the lure of Oscar night or Emmy night has kind of deterred because it's like the Grammys, the Emmys, the Tonys, the Golden Globes, the Critics' Choice, the SAG Awards. I think people then get confused of, what? wait, which one is this for again? Is this TV? Yeah, is this it's stage? almost like white noise. I don't, like, I don't remember. Right. Yeah,
0: so, so many of them. What about the pageantry, though? Because I do still find myself being interested in the e-red carpet pre-show. I want to see what are they wearing? What's the, you know, the cams that spin around and you see it or you see the the huge diamonds on the neck, that camera, whatever. Talk about the pageantry. Is that still there in Hollywood?
1: I think it's there to an extent. I mean, we will typically have an awards show party and we have people come over to watch the red carpet. I think we've gone away from who are you wearing? You know, those age old questions of why does it matter? Like maybe why did this dress inspire you? Or let's talk about the art of the movie versus what the gowns are and how expensive they or are.
0: Or now, is this recycled? I mean, is <laughs> yeah,
1: it, right? Did I wear this 20 years ago? Because why do we need a full new dress? I think in terms of the actual ceremony, it is becoming too involved with bits. I think producers are trying to add funny comedy bits in order to make the audience like it more than just handing out award after award. You know, I think some people don't necessarily like it when speeches either turn political or have an issue behind them. They just want the actor or whoever it is to go up there thank someone and then be done. I don't mind a speech that goes longer. I don't mind a speech that brings up an issue because we're all human. We all have things that frustrate us or we want to talk about. And sometimes that is the platform to do it for some people. So it actually doesn't bother me when it happens. And I'm keeping that apolitical. It doesn't matter necessarily who it is. It's like, okay, they have a stage, they have a platform and they will use it
0: the speeches usually are my favorite part. Now, I don't mind the duration if it actually has something to say, if there's a nice beginning, middle and end. But if it's just kind of ranting and, you know, and let me tell you, I love a good swear word. But if there are swear words that need to be bleeped out during an Oscar speech, I don't think that's really the right stage either for that.
1: Well, again, there's nuance and there's what is the audience? What is the platform? Where are you? And I think that's all things you should be taking into consideration. You know the Grammys are a very different platform than the Oscars in terms of what you wear, how you look, how you present yourself, and the Golden Globes are very different as well.
0: So, Paul, I'm thinking if you get invited to one of these shows and the hubby needs to stay home with the kid, I'll go with you. And I think what we should find are compostable outfits that are glamorous, but then we can compost after the night is over.
1: Absolutely, let's totally do that. <laughs> let's let's
0: get on that, and we'll do a case yeah, file. Yeah. So, what I'm hearing from you. And, you know, you've got a little more clout in this area than I do. Member of the Critics' Choice Association. Is it these award shows still have relevance?
1: Yes. I think what is great about them is to get us to watch a TV show or movie that maybe we didn't hear about. But because we like watching the nominated things, we then find something like Everything Everywhere All at Once came out spring 2022 and people are now watching it. They're now investing. They're now loving it. Because it has been nominated now that everyone's talking about that. It's that kind of award season word of mouth that really helps movies like that or like Coda from last year on Apple TV Plus. I think people watched that or maybe even got Apple TV Plus to watch Coda and then were so moved by that story. And I think another good example of this award season overall is Abbott Elementary on ABC. If you have not seen Abbott Elementary, one of the best sitcoms, one of the best comedies on air right now that I think people are now finding, people are now talking about in its second season. Because Quinta Bronson is winning, because Cheryl Lee Ralph is a national treasure and she won the Emmy. You know, it is so funny. And I think once people give it a try, they're like, oh, yeah, why did I sleep on this for so long?
0: Yeah. And, you know, you point out something that makes me think about just the arts in general. Aren't they supposed to challenge us? Aren't they supposed to unify us? Aren't they supposed to sometimes tick us off? And that is what you're getting at. And let's talk about everything, everywhere, all at once for a moment. My hubby and I did see that in the theaters not long after it came out. I'm excited as a South Asian that it's had such a big Asian cast. The star of it is just kick-ass. I mean, she's amazing. Michelle Yeo, Oh, my amazing. gosh. And all the accolades she's getting make me so happy right now.
1: One hundred percent. And that is that type of visibility and representation that we need. And for the people that may think, I don't know if I could relate to that story. It's Asian characters. That's a bias that you are putting on yourself. It's a bias because it's a great movie.
0: It's
1: It's a a great movie movie overall. And at the end of it, this isn't a spoiler. When you learn that it's all about love, at the end of the day, just find something to love or someone to love. That is universal. Love is universal. And The themes of the movie are universal, regardless of whether the characters are Asian, regardless of whether the movie takes place in this multiverse of just crazy visuals and you don't know where it's going. And at the end, it's that pure universal theme that I think so many movies have if you're just willing to open yourself up to look for that.
0: Yeah. And I won't give too much away either, but I would say if you are a parent, or you have a parent, dead or alive, that movie is for you. That's what I'd say about that movie. And that to me is just brilliant. And I'm just excited, a bonus as an Asian myself. There are so many Asians in that and the star is as an Asian.
1: And how do we get more people to see that? What you did, what I did, we go to the theater, we pay our dollars to go see it, to support it financially. And then that's how studios know, oh, there's an audience for this movie. So talk about my own community. Bros is a movie that flopped at the box office. And by that, I mean, it did not hit the box office numbers that people thought it would. And now what does that mean? Is that studios are going to think, oh, audiences aren't ready for a gay love story. They're not ready for a big, broad romance with gay characters. So now maybe these stories are not going to be told because people didn't go support it. Now, that's a very simplified way of looking at it. But how many years did it take? to get a Crazy Rich Asians? How many years did it take to get an everything everywhere all at once, which probably couldn't have happened if it wasn't for Crazy Rich Asians?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about how these studios also try to hedge their bets, because I'm a member of SAG, as are you, the Screen Actors Guild. And so the SAG Awards are just the acting awards. And I get all these things in the mail. And sometimes I think it's A bunch of DVDs. Sometimes it is, but often it's just a bunch of marketing material for the particular movie or actor or actress or cast with the studio basically trying to get me to vote for them. I think it's a lot of wasted paper, but how influential are the studios anymore? And how much do those campaigns really matter?
1: Ooh, that's a loaded question. Studios spend a lot of money marketing award season, getting audiences and critics and voters to see. Who's nominated? How can they get their nominees on talk shows to get them in the papers, interviews, luncheons, all the jazz that we were just talking about? So that that person is in your head. Now, the downside of that is if studios don't have the money to do that, their movies may not be seen because, oh, I kind of heard about that movie, but I don't know. I know I've heard about this movie because I've been seeing it everywhere. I better go watch that. Now, the flip side is that sometimes that marketing and that money doesn't work. People still don't vote for it. Now, we're seeing this year is that sometimes grassroots campaigns help in terms of Andrea Riseboro and a nomination that she got for her movie to Leslie, which literally the studio spent no money marketing. And it was up to other actors, actresses to and say, And that's hey, how
0: I heard about it. And I watched it on a plane ride a couple of weeks ago. Yes,
1: she is the epitome of having your work speak for itself and having others speak for you. Because people like Kate Blanchett, Kate Winslet, in their speeches or an interview said, you need to go check out Andrea Risborough and two Leslie. You need to do that. And it was two weeks before the nominating period. So now that name, that movie is in people's heads, and now they're going to go watch it. Boom. She got a nomination over other people like Danielle Deadweiler, Viola Davis, who people thought were going to get nominated. And then everyone's like, whoa, how did this happen? You didn't play the game. Maybe you violated Oscar campaign rules. And yes, they investigated into that because there are things about how you talk on social media and blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh, no, her nomination can stand. Go watch her movie.
0: I love these dark horse situations. All right.
1: Because they show that money can't buy everything.
0: It certainly can't buy love. I mean, it's really (laughs) your, (laughs) your personal taste. Well, as always, love, love, love Paul McGuire Grimes. We thank you, Paul, for your humor and insight. Want more Paul? Go to his site, Paul's Trip to the Movies. Today's Crisis Brief is brought to you by Golf Public. Number one, open your mind to new worlds and new stories. Number two, There's a lot of chatter out there about what to watch. Trust your gut and watch what you want. Share what you recommend. Number three, award shows give studios and artists a platform. In the end, art can enlighten us. Reputation issues can arise quickly and unexpectedly. Prepare and plan before a crisis strikes with Goff Public, an award-winning public relations and public affairs agency. Your best defense is a crisis-ready culture that helps you spot potential issues, act swiftly, and reflects your brand's values while building trust with your audiences. Learn more at golfpublic.com. Thank you to our podcast producer, Kim Inslee, and our audio guru, Tom Hamilton of Undertone Music. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com for the show archive plus special videos. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at The Crisis Files. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.